So this is Spirit of the Antichrist, and this is part eight of our series. And uh, today we're going to talk about the Luciferian conspiracy as it relates to vaccines and big pharma. And I want to kind of just go through very quickly here at the beginning uh, the basis for this study. We've talked about this quite a bit, but in case people are watching this video for the first time and haven't yet gone back and watched the pr prior videos in the series, I want to make sure they kind of understand the biblical basis for this. The Bible is very clear that the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world, and many Antichrists have come. Uh, Paul said the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and that in uh, the last days, the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So the premise of this study is that if the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work, what manifestations might we see of him working already today in preparation for his unveiling in the end times during that final seven-year tribulation before the return of Christ? So this series is going to cover seven primary areas in which I believe the spirit of the Antichrist is prevalent. And for each one of them, we're going to talk about some characteristics of the Antichrist as we see outlined in Scripture in the book of Revelation in particular, and also Daniel and other passages that talk about the Antichrist and his reign. And then we're going to take that description and apply it to the present day and see what characteristics we might see today of uh, that uh, issue working out in the present age. So we've, we're currently in the section, the pretense, the spirit of pretense. So you can see this is going to be a rather detailed, lengthy study because we're still in the, point, the first of seven. Uh, manifestations, and, uh, and we're already nine weeks in. Uh, so as we continue to look at uh, the spirit of pretense, today we're going to talk about vaccines and big pharma and things like that. But I thought it would be helpful this far into the series to go ahead and just quickly review, especially for those who might not have seen the previous video. So we started out several weeks ago by talking about the end times and the Antichrist. What does the Bible have to say? about the end times and the Antichrist. And we went passage by passage and talked about things like angels and demons and how they relate uh, to this Luciferian conspiracy that I explained and diagrammed, started out looking at it from a biblical perspective, and then we have expanded it now to say who is working with Satan today in the present age to attempt to usher in his one-world system. And so uh, then we got into the spirit of pretense in earnest, and we talked about things like the state-run media, the false left-right paradigm, the fake news and censorship, and the Hegelian dialectic. Last week we talked about geoengineering and weather warfare, and today we're going to talk about vaccines. But as promised, uh, each week I like to start with a few quotes that are sort of relevant to our study. And uh, so we'll start with another Arthur C. Clarke quote. I talked about him last time. Uh, he said, I will not be afraid because I understand. Now, you may be exposed in this presentation to some things that you've never heard before. And when you begin to understand them, the natural instinct is going to be fear. But I want to encourage you not to be afraid. That's exactly the wrong response to have, according to God's Word, because knowledge and understanding, God's Word says, are the keys to wisdom. And that's really what we're after, amen, is wisdom. Uh, so then another quote here by Walt Whitman, who was hardly a bastion of morality or uh, just godliness in, in, in no sense whatsoever, and yet uh, there's some truth in this statement from his poem, Leaves of Grass. He said, 
once unquestioning obedience, once fully enslaved. Once unquestioning obedience, once fully enslaved. And that may become more of a reality uh, for us in the West here in America as believers, as it has for many throughout the 2,000 years of church history and other parts of the world. He goes on in this poem to say, Once fully enslaved, no nation, state, or city of this earth ever afterward resumed or resumes its liberty. And then I came across this uh, picture. We've seen many like this. Um, this is just a snapshot of the crowds during World War II worshiping Hitler and pledging their allegiance to him. And uh, someone has pointed out there's in this particular picture, there's one fellow here who's just sitting there sort of not going along with the crowd. And really that's what we're talking about as we look at deception. We're looking, talking about how God's people should be willing to stand firm on the Word of God rather than just going along with the bandwagon. And speaking of the Nazis, this quote from Joseph Mengele, the angel of death, he said, the more we do to you, the less you seem to believe we're doing it. And William Blom, whom I've quoted before, said, no matter how paranoid or conspiracy-minded you are, what the government is actually doing is worse than you imagine. And if you've not watched some of our previous videos, I've talked at length in the previous videos about the biblical teaching about conspiracy. It's a biblical word. It's a biblical concept. We see the word used in Scripture in the Old and New Testaments. And certainly, we understand theologically that there is a conspiracy involving Satan, demons, and his human co-conspirators in an attempt to take over the world. He's been trying to do that since he was banished uh, from heaven. It's the reason the Bible says that uh, he's the prince of the power of the air and the god of this age, and that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one, according to 1 John chapter 5. And then one final quote before we get into our topic this morning, and I've used this one before in here, but it's particularly relevant to what we're going to be talking about today, at least in principle, and that's from Mark Twain, who said, it is easier to fool people than to convince them they have been fooled. It's easier to fool people than to convince them they've been fooled. So the question we want to ask is, have we been deceived? How are Satan and his co-conspirators deceiving the world today? And in particular, we want to talk about this in the context of Big Pharma. Now, what do we mean by Big Pharma? We mean one of maybe eight or ten corporations who manufacture and distribute prescription drugs and vaccines. I'll get into more detail about this as we uh, go forward, but I wanted to uh, start, again, by going back to the Scripture and asking the question, is somehow Big Pharma setting the stage for end times events? Is there any way, according to Scripture, that we might be able to say, I don't know when Christ is going to come back and catch the church up to meet Him in the air. I don't know when the end times plan is going to unfold, starting with the unveiling of the Antichrist and then everything that happens after that. But do we see things happening today that, based on the description of the end times, could be setting the stage? And as it relates to Big Pharma, I think we do. So we go to Revelation chapter 18. This is during the middle of the Great Tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, the overflowing scourge, the time of Jacob's trouble, the great and terrible day of the Lord's wrath, and so on. All of those phrases that are used by the prophets to describe this coming seven-year period. And the context here in Revelation 18 is the fall of end times Babylon at the second coming of Christ. This takes place, in what we're reading here in Revelation 18, takes place right before the battle of Gog and Magog in Revelation 19 and the second coming of Christ. Now what I want you to focus on is this last phrase. By your sorcery all the nations were deceived. Talking about end times Babylon which is going to be the seat of political, financial and religious power under the Antichrist regime in that end times period. 
and he's told, by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. Now that Greek word sorcery, Greek word sorcery, it's the word pharmakeia. Pharmakeia, it's where we get our English word, the cognate, pharmacy. And it means, according to one leading Greek dictionary, Little Scott, the use of drugs. And according to another equally reputable dictionary, it means the practice of drugging. And this word in the Bible is often used in the context of occult satanic practices and casting spells, but at its root it means the practice of drugging. In the Old Testament, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which we call the Septuagint, pharmakeia is used in uh, Isaiah 47. It says, They shall come upon you in, the full, in their fullness because of the multitude of your sorceries. What's the context? Same thing. Isaiah is prophesying 700 years before Christ about the future end times Babylon, which will try to rule the world under the Antichrist. He doesn't mention the Antichrist, but we know from comparing Scripture to Scripture that that's who will be in charge of end times Babylon uh, during that seven-year tribulation. And basically what he's saying is that uh, Babylon would lose her empire and her population with unexpected suddenness in spite of the sorcery and magic that she had relied upon for protection. God was going to judge her. Now if we go back to Revelation 18.23... Again, by your sorcery, all the nations will be deceived. Somehow, the end times Babylon is going to use this pharmakeia, this sorcery, this drugging, to help deceive the world. Now, I want you to also notice the word merchants, for your merchants were the great men of the earth. That word merchant in Greek, it means traveler, or specifically one who travels by ship. And so the question is, who are these great men of the earth who traveled far and wide using drugs to control the earth's population? Could it be that Satan will use this sorcery, pharmakeia, pharmaceuticals, as the key tool in his efforts to deceive the world during Antichrist's future reign? Uh, there's another similar word to pharmakeia that's used also in the New Testament. It's only used one time, and it's also in Revelation, and it's also in the context of the end times. In Revelation chapter 9, it says, They did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Now, even though in English, it looks like the same word, sorcery. In Greek, it's slightly different. It's the word pharmakon. And whereas pharmakeia meant the practice of drugging or the use of drugs, pharmakon is the actual medicine or poison or drug itself uh, that is used, pharmacon, poison, medicine, or drug according to the top Greek lexicons. And so if we go back to Revelation chapter 9, uh, in the second half of the tribulation, the context here is at the end of the trumpet judgment, this is the sixth trumpet, the judgment's going to devolve a 200 million man army that's sent out to kill one-third of mankind during the latter half of the tribulation period. And verse 21 refers here to those who survived that plague and yet still did not repent. In other words, even after this supernatural, horrific judgment of God, the wrath of God being poured out upon sinful mankind, those who were peddling their poison did not relent. And this shows the extreme hubris of Satan's co-conspirators. So let's talk about, so, so there is a context, in other words, for talking about the role that Big Pharma might be playing in the setup and lead up to the end times. So let's talk about Big Pharma and deception. You know, the whole purpose of this series that I started nine weeks ago is to show us how there's a great cloud of gathering deception 
in this present age where the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. So when it comes to Big Pharma, have we been deceived? Is Big Pharma a pretense for control or power and all of the other elements of the New World Order that Satan's co-conspirators are desperately trying to accomplish? Well, this article reminds us that 80% of medical studies are advertisements for Big Pharma. The National Institutes of Health, home to Anthony Fauci's National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, invests tens of billions of dollars annually. Uh, one estimate or one uh, data point showed $32.2 billion annually from the NIH to pharmaceutical companies for, quote, medical research, which in actuality is simply money that's used to produce those ubiquitous drug advertisements we see everywhere. Eighty percent of medical studies are simply uh, uh, ads for Big Pharma. Dr. Richard Horton has been the editor of the world's most respected and prestigious medical journal. It's a weekly peer-reviewed general, uh, general medical journal. It's the world's oldest and best-known and longest-running medical journal. It has editorial offices in London and New York and Beijing. He's been the editor since 1995, and he admits that much of the scientific literature, perhaps half, may simply be untrue. Afflicted by studies with small sample sizes, tiny effects, invalid exploratory analyses, and watch this, flagrant conflicts of interest, together with an obsession for pursuing fashionable trends of dubious importance, science has taken a turn towards darkness. This article uh, reiterates this point, pharmaceutical marketing supported by deceitful Clinical research, according to studies, 9 out of 10 pharmaceutical companies spend more on advertising than they do on research. And remember, much of what is passed off as research is actually marketing. So these advertising percentages are actually much greater. And why not? I mean, after all, Americans spend an average of $1,000 per person per year on prescription pharmaceutical drugs. That's $335 billion a year, and we're going to find out in a moment. It's actually much higher than that if you add it all up. Um, so, it, of course, they're going to spend money trying to capture that market share. So, Big Pharma is really about big business. The next time you see one of those TV ads for prescription drugs, just, drugs, just remember 80% of medical studies are simply marketing ads for Big Pharma. Never assume that the drug you are taking will do what it actually says it will do. And on the contrary, always assume that the side effects listed in the insert are probably primary effects, not side effects. Uh, as it illustrated in this cartoon, this is pharmaceutical industry, and he says nine out of ten doctors on our payroll recommend this product. And that is certainly true. The pharmaceutical industry does not create cures. It creates customers, as this uh, illustration, this comic suggests. So here's the pharmacist handing the prescription to the customer. Here's your opioids. See you next week, and 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 next week. Have we been deceived? One thing most people are completely unaware of is the fact that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about immunity, right, with the COVID vaccine, the COVID virus, and so forth. But what most people don't know is that the only immunity that matters is Big Pharma's total immunity from liability. That's right. The U.S. government has granted pharmaceutical companies complete and total immunity when it comes to vaccines. This was the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986, signed by President Ronald Reagan. 
The NCVIA was sponsored by Democrat Henry Waxman of California, co-sponsored by Democrat Mickey Leland of Texas and several others, and yet Republican President Ronald Reagan signed it. And while signing the bill at the ceremony, you can look this up and watch the clip of it on YouTube, Reagan said, quote, No vaccine manufacturer shall be liable for damages arising from a vaccine-related injury or death. Now, this law has been challenged since 1986. For example, in 2011, on February 22, 2011, the family of an infant who suffered a severe reaction to a vaccine may not sue the drug maker for failing to update the vaccine with a newer, safer version. The Supreme Court ruled uh, on February 22, 2011 in a 6-2 decision. Uh, another uh, famous conservative the late Justice Antonin Scalia wrote for the majority decision, quote, We hold that the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, think Ronald Reagan and 1986, preempts all design defect claims against vaccine manufacturers brought by plaintiffs who seek compensation for injury or death caused by vaccines. So let me just interject here, and I know we're short on time, but we have got to break free from this fake right-left paradigm that says that Republicans are the heroes of the right and Democrats are the heroes of the left, when in reality they're both agents of the elite, if you actually take the time and do the work. For example, I, I've looked up this latest Supreme Court justice nominee. Now, the, the media, both sides are purporting that she's pro-life, she's pro-this, she's Christian. She's Go back and look at the, the decisions that she has rendered in the Seventh Judicial Circuit. She has supported every government control and overreach, every attack on liberty, and she's not consistently pro-life. Look it up. Remember what we talked about in previous weeks. Don't just buy the narrative. You've got to do your own research, even though the official narrative, as we saw from that Forbes article, says don't do your own research. Whatever you do, just uh, trust us. So the fact of the matter is each year more Americans die from prescription pills in their cabinets than heroin, terrorism, murder, and traffic accidents combined. Now, because of this 1986 act uh, that was passed, the National Childhood Vaccination uh, Act, uh, they had to create, two years later, the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, created in 1988. And according to the NVICP's own website, since 1988, 22,000 petitions have been filed. Basically, this is a government fund with your taxpayer money to do something for these thousands upon thousands of people that are being injured from vaccines but can't sue the vaccine manufacturers, so they need help. So the government created this fund where you can file an appeal and then the government agency will rule on it all outside of the courts, just an official sort of uh, alternative, no-fault alternative. And uh, so far they've paid out over $4.4 billion. Uh, 22,000 petitions have been filed. Now that's nothing really in the grand scheme of things because most people are not even aware that this program exists. Uh, so the fact is the vaccine experiment is going stronger than ever. Vaccination stations are popping up everywhere. I mean I went to get my oil changed the other day at a quick loop place. They asked me if I wanted a flu shot while I'm getting my oil changed. You know, I accidentally left my arm hanging outside the window going through a Starbucks drive-thru the other day. And by the time I got from the order window to the pickup window, they'd already tied the little rubber band around it and had the syringe ready. You can get a vaccine anywhere. Now, why is that? Why is that? If vaccines are really about medicine, why does the marketing campaign look like more of a two-for-one Big Mac sale or a 50% off at Kohl's sale? 
I recently saw a guy in a clown suit on the corner twirling a sign that said, free vaccinations here. Why don't they put that much money and effort into, for example, stopping the meth epidemic that's going on? Because it's not about healing. It's about control. And it's about money. It's about control. Vaccines are, are very, very dangerous, uh, put simply. I bet very few people are aware that vaccines contain aborted fetal cells. This is not disputed. It's, an, it's a non-falsifiable fact. In fact, if, this is from the CDC's own website. Uh, if you look at each of the vaccines, I've highlighted in red there all of the ones that contain aborted fetal tissue. Uh, this is not disputed. It's MRC5 and WI38 cell lines that originate from aborted babies. And they are used by companies like Merck and other vaccine companies uh, to experiment. You could Next time you go to your doctor, ask them uh, to see <coughs> the little insert so you can look at the ingredients. It's right there. Or uh, better yet, ask to see the box that the little vial comes in. There it is, human diploid cell, WI38. Now, Dr. Stanley Potkin is a renowned figure in the world of vaccines. He's called the godfather of vaccines. He's a highly acclaimed vaccinologist. He's an American physician. He has worked as a consultant for decades to all of the manufacturers of vaccines, going back to the beginning of some of them. In the 60s, he played a pivotal role in the development of the vaccine against rubella virus while working at the Wistar Institute in Philadelphia. Uh, I mean, this guy's uh, bona fides in the, in, in the industry of vaccines are uh, as long as a, a book. Um, he's the editor of Clinical and Vaccine Immunology, which is published by the American Society for Microbiology every year in Washington, D.C. And uh, he said, for example, uh, and I'll give you the context for this quote in a moment, but he said, if using aborted fetus tissue in vaccines causes me to go to hell, I'm happy to do so. And that context was... Uh, he was called to testify just two years ago in a famous case between a wife and a husband, an ex-husband, over their daughter. The daughter's name was Faith. The mom recognized how dangerous vaccines were and refused to have her daughter vaccinated. Her ex-husband insisted that she be vaccinated and sued. In the lawsuit, uh, this took place, uh, I think it was in Michigan, <clears throat> the wife Actually, she had a pretty good legal team, and they called Dr. Stanley Plotkin to give a deposition as part of the lawsuit. So here's the top-tier expert in vaccines under oath. You can see all nine hours of video testimony. Uh, this was from uh, January 11, 2018. Um, I've watched part of it and found a pretty profound clip, uh, which I'd like to show you now. Listen carefully as the uh, attorney for the wife asks Dr. Plotkin uh, some questions. It's only about a minute. <clears throat> Do any vaccines on the childhood vaccine schedule contain MRC5 human diploid cells? Yes. What are these? Uh, rubella, uh, varicella, hepatitis A, um, let's see, um, what are MRC5 cells? They are human fibroblast uh, cell strain. And, and how were they created? They were created by uh, taking uh, fetal tissue and um, 
uh, from a particular uh, fetus that was uh, aborted uh, by maternal choice, uh, and the cells, uh, the so-called fibroblast cells, were cultivated uh, from um, uh, from that tissue. Uh, the fibroblast cells replicate for about 50 passages and then die. So MRC5 cells are uh, the cultured cell lines from aborted fetal tissue? They're not cell lines. They're what are they? Cell strains uh, cultivated from uh, an aborted fetus, yes. I mean, this is not denied. Anybody, any doctor that actually knows what they're doing will admit it, but it's not something they publicize because nobody wants to think that they're putting aborted fetal cells into their children's, you know, b bloodstream uh, when they get vaccine. Now, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System is another thing that very few people uh, are aware of that our government has set up. And the question is, if vaccines are safe and effective, which is what you hear all the time, it's in the news right now in reference to the COVID 19 vaccine, why do you need a vaccine adverse effects reporting system that gets tens of thousands of reports every year? So as I mentioned earlier, the uh, top 10 pharmaceutical companies in 2019 together uh, are over 356 billion and that's in total revenue and that's just the top 10. So it's actually way more than just $1,000 per person per year on average in the United States, our population is 335 million. So it's become a huge industry, which is why we see stunning increases in the number of required vaccines to feed the beast. So for example, in 1953, uh, 16 doses of four vaccines were required for children two months to age six. By 1983, it was seven vaccines, almost doubled, 23 doses. Today, it's 14 vaccines, with 49 doses. And by the way, by the time you're age 18, it's 16 vaccines with 69 doses. And there are hundreds of new vaccines waiting to hit the market. So if we correlate this to some other data, for example, learning disabilities were one in 30 children experienced learning disabilities in 76. Today, it's one in six. In 1980, one in 27 children had asthma. Today, it's one in nine. And of course, what about autism, the big controversial subject of autism? Well, I don't mind talking about controversial subjects because I'm not speculating. I'm just giving you the facts. And you know, here's from WebMD, which I accessed yesterday. WebMD says autism cases are on the rise. We don't know why. It's a mystery. Well, yes, we do know why. We absolutely do know why. Ever since 2017, it's no longer a fact in dispute because the first ever peer-reviewed study of vaccinated versus unvaccinated study was uh, done and the reports were issued on April 24, 2017 in the Journal of Translational Science. The study was called Pilot Comparative Study on the Health of Vaccinated and Unvaccinated 6 to 12-Year-Old U.S. Children. And the abstract of the summary says vaccinated children were significantly more likely than unvaccinated to have been diagnosed with a neurodevelopment disorder. Most notably, the risk of being affected by an autism spectrum disorder, ASD, was almost five times higher in vaccinated children, as well as ADHD and, and uh, learning disabilities and so on. Overall, combined, 3.7 times more likely to have been diagnosed with some kind of neurodevelopment disorder. But this has actually been known for many years. We didn't need this uh, study to prove it. In fact, a whistleblower 
in conjunction with a FOIA request, FOIA is Freedom of Information Act, uh, discovered that the CDC's own unpublished, they refused to publish this secret study within the CDC by the CDC's own researchers that showed unquestionably what that other actual private study by a private science group uh, proved, that vaccinated versus unvaccinated uh, you know, is, is a, quite a disparity. This is the CDC's own internal uh, study that they never released. So uh, this is the data taken straight from the CDC's own website. And it ought to make you stop and wonder why. Why is it that, according to the CDC, in 1975, 1 in 5,000 children had autism? And in 1985, 1 in 2,500. And in 1995, 1 in 500. And today, 1 in 50. And we certainly can't say, well, they just now started testing uh, for autism. Autism was discovered in 1943 by this guy, Leo Kanner. Um, and vaccines, by the way, were first introduced in the U.S. in the 1930s. 1943, uh, an Austrian-American psychiatrist and physician discovered the first case of autism. And what he said is interesting. The condition differs markedly and uniquely from anything reported so far. They'd never seen anything like it. That was in 1943. So they've been tracking this thing since then. And as the vaccines, with all these dangerous things like mercury in them, have increased, so too has, have the instances of uh, autism. Uh, Dr. David Ayub said that the American Academy of Pediatrics knows very well that vaccines cause autism. In fact, he was pretty blunt. We need to not waste any more efforts in trying to educate them. We need to indict them because the AAP is very instrumental in making vaccines required. And yet publicly, in spite of its own uh, released, secretly done study, which exposes the fraud, and the public study that was done in 2017, the CDC's official position remains vaccines do not cause autism. But for those who might be inclined to believe the CDC's definitive declaration about vaccines, this is the same organization that in 1958 says smoking does not cause cancer. So what about COVID-19 and vaccines? What do we know so far? Well, of course, Operation Warp Speed is a U.S. government partnership. You've heard President Trump talk about it among components of the Department of Health and Human Services, CDC, the FDA, the National Institutes of Health, NIH, uh, BARDA, the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority, and the Department of Defense. And uh, what they're trying to do is to create a vaccine in record speed for COVID-19. You can go to the government's own website, hhs.gov, and read uh, all about it. Uh, operation, uh, uh, why Operation Warp Speed could be uh, deadly, uh, one uh, article writes, and talks about uh, on top of the protections in the 1986 Vaccine Act, the vaccine managers have received additional liability protections from a February 20th declaration by HHS Secretary Alex Azar, Secretary of Health and Human Services. Now, Azar claims that he has such a declaration granted him by the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, called the PREP Act, uh, and we'll come back and talk more about that in a moment. But Azar's order makes, quote, immune from suit and liability to all claims of loss for all those who manufacture, distribute, administer, prescribe, or use any treatments or vaccines for COVID-19. 
So he's just reiterating what we already said in that act in 1986. Now let's not forget who Alex Azar is. Uh, uh, President Trump chose him to lead the HHS in 2017. So who was Alex Azar? Well, he was a former top lobbyist and senior vice president of corporate affairs and communications for one of the leading big pharma firms, Eli Lilly, the largest manufacturer in the world of uh, uh, psychiatric medications, including Prozac. Eli Lilly makes Prozac. Eli Lilly also helped the CIA manufacture LSD for its project MKUltra. In effective January 1st, Azar became the president of Lilly USA, the largest division of Eli Lilly International, and was responsible for the company's entire U.S. operations. But in 2017, he stepped down upon accepting Trump's nomination to be Health and Human Services Secretary. It's unbelievable. So Operation Warp Speed is seeking to administer a rush-to-market vaccine to healthy individuals uh, for the COVID-19 virus. And um, so, again, you can go to HHS, their own website. They talk about Operation Warp Speed. Um, uh, here's, uh, I'll zoom in on a quote. Operation Warp Speed's goal is to produce and deliver over 300 million doses of a safe and effective, there's what you're going to see all the time, vaccine by January 2021. 300 million. There's only 335 million people in the country. Uh, who are, who's working with Operation warp speed. Uh, well, again, according to HHS's own figures, if you scroll down on that page, they're giving you a day-by-day -day update of how things are going. And for example, on March 30th, the Trump administration announced $456 million for Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine. On April 16th, $483 million for Moderna. May 21st, $1.2 billion for AstraZeneca. July 7th, the Trump administration announced $450 for Regeneron's candidate. July 7th also, they announced 1.6 billion funds for Novavax's vaccine candidate for COVID-19. The Trump administration announced $1.95 billion in funds for Pfizer on July 22nd. It goes on and on and on. By the way, on August 11th, they gave another 1.5 billion more funds to Moderna. You add it all up and so far, you and I have given $10.6 billion to these six or seven, uh, and he, they've narrowed it to five now. I don't know what happens to the two that got billions of dollars and then now they're out of the race for warp speed. Do they give the money back or what do they do with it? Uh, but $10.6 billion so far uh, since April. Again, big pharma is uh, big business. And already we're seeing major concerns about the vaccination that's coming this January. Um, here's one article uh, from May. Did the Oxford COVID vaccine work in monkeys? Not really. Here's the news about AstraZeneca halting its COVID vaccine trial due to uh, all kinds of uh, problems if you uh, read through the article. And then here's this recent headline from just five days ago. The CDC is planning for massive deaths this fall. This is from Robert Redfield, the CDC director. He made the following statements. There's a possibility, quote, there's a possibility that the assault of the virus on our nation next winter will actually be even more difficult than the one we just went through. And when I've said this to others, they've kind of put their head back. They don't understand what I mean. But I'm worried. I do think the fall and winter of 2020 and 2021 are probably going to be one of the most difficult times that we've ever experienced in American public health. Five days ago, he said this. Because of the co-currents of COVID and influenza, and this is where I'd like to continue to work with you, the media, to get the American public to embrace the influenza vaccine. Next fall and winter, we're going to have two viruses. Here's a press conference where he's talking about 
this circulating. Uh, but of course, thankfully, we're spending more than $10 billion uh, so that companies like Moderna uh, can rescue us from this invisible enemy. Let's talk about Moderna. They're leading the race. They're in the final uh, two, is what I have read. Uh, they only begin trading publicly on December 1st, 2018. Moderna has never produced a vaccine. In fact, they've never brought any product to market ever of any kind. And by the way, guess who President Trump selected to be in charge of Operation Warp Speed? None other than Monsef Slaoui, who resigned May 15th from Moderna's board of directors to take over this new post as Operation Warp Speed director. Now, there's no conflict of interest there. <laughs> As their name implies, the new COVID-19 vaccine works by recoding people's DNA by injecting them with new RNA. That's where the RNA comes from uh, in the name Moderna. It modifies Moderna RNA, your DNA, through a process called transfection. Transfection is the process of artificially introducing DNA or RNA into cells, utilizing means other than a viral infection. Such introductions of four nucleic acid using various chemicals, biological, or physical methods can result in changes of properties to the cell. And they don't know, scientists don't know how long the DNA changes will last. Are they permanent or temporary? The vaccine will be delivered through what is called a microneedle array, which is the short way to say human implantable quantum dot microneedle vaccination delivery system developed by MIT. And uh, of course they did it with uh, $100,000 worth of funds from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. The technology was patterned and inspired after pit viper fangs, by the way. Uh, this article talks about what inspired them to come up with this delivery uh, system. And uh, this article reminds us that it's as easy as putting on a Band-Aid. This is from the Smithsonian Magazine in 2017, by the way. And you'll note the a reference to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in the top right there as a contributor to the technology. And they say it'll be available in about five years. Well, this was 2017. It's supposed to now be rolled out by January 2021. So they've got it in about four years, which is just what they've been planning all along. The way the vaccine is administered is by attaching something similar to a Band-Aid to your wrist. And the Band-Aid then injects the vaccine into your skin via small micro needles. And these needles are as tall as two hairs are thick. After wearing the Band-Aid just a short length of time, you can take it off and discard it. And the vaccine itself is invisible to the naked eye, but can be read by a smartphone held over the vaccinated area. And what do they use as part of this vaccine to interface with the smartphones? Oh, by the way, they've been experimenting with this stuff for years. This is the uh, Department of Defense funding using this uh, microneedle array uh, technology on some new uh, cadets. But what do they use in conjunction with uh, this uh, delivery system? It's an enzyme called luciferase. Luciferase. That's a pretty significant name, but let's not make too much out of it because that's been around since the early 1900s. It was discovered and patented and named by a French pharmacologist named Dubois in the early 1900s. Um, but it's this enzyme, and what happens is it, it, it's injected with the vaccine and it lights up this human implantable quantum dot microneedle vaccination delivery system funded by Bill Gates and allows them to confirm whether you've actually received the vaccine or not by simply holding a smartphone over the area. Uh, luciferase genes can be produced in the lab through genetic engineering for a number of purposes. Then in conjunction with DARPA, 
uh, with a DARPA-produced nanotechnology called hydrogel. Uh, that's what hydrogel looks like. These are microscopic robots, yes, nanorobots, that will be collecting information about you 24-7 and then report it back via a smartphone or other uh, computer. It can collect information like emotions, your, your movement, where you've been, what you've eaten, what other drugs you've ingested, and much, much more. I mean, it's an unbelievable assault on our freedom and privacy. This readable, uh, bright, but invisible Lucifer and light shining out of the vaccine is part of a patented information delivery vaccine, and it, it begs the question, who controls the information once they get it? Um, Here's an article from Scientific American. Invisible ink could reveal whether kids have been vaccinated or not. I mean, this is all well documented in the scientific arena. This is from December 18th, 2019, by the way, this article. Um, so that means it could easily be used for something that's described in the book of Re Revelation called the mark of the beast. I'm not saying this is the mark of the beast because we don't know when the rapture is going to happen and when all of this is going to come into being. But the technology certainly fits the description that God's Word plainly says. This isn't speculation. The types of things that this technology can do are the same types of things that the Antichrist and his false prophet, the second in command, are going to do during uh, the tribulation. Uh, here's another article from Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News. Quantum dots deliver vaccine and invisibly encode vaccination history in your skin. This article actually even shows a diagram of what it looks like. And you can see in the, in the far right uh, picture, a s picture of a smartphone uh, then being held over it. The caption there, I don't know if you can read it on the screen, but it says, MIT engineers have developed a way to store medical information under the skin using a quantum dot dye that is delivered along with a vaccine by a microneedle patch. The dye, which is invisible to the naked eye, can be read later using a sp specially adapted smartphone. And then here's this article from the Times of in Israel talking about how this is a shift towards transhumanism. Transhumanism, it says, is a type of futurist philosophy. Uh, names that you might have heard of in the transhumanist arena are Ray Kurzweil and uh, Bill Gates and others. Um, the futurist philosophy at transforming the human species by means of biotechnology. Transhumanists see disease, aging, and death as undesirable. Well, of course, we all do. But they see it as unnecessary and aim to transform human beings into post-human species with greater capacities uh, than those of present human beings. Recall what we talked about some time ago, the quote from Zbigniew Brzezinski who worked in LBJ's administration, Carter's administration, and Reagan's administration. He was Reagan's Foreign Intelligence Advisory Board uh, director. He said, soon it will be possible to, to have continuous surveillance, continuous surveillance over every citizen. Even the most personal information about the citizen will be uh, gathered. And then this from Carol Quigley, again I quoted it before, the individual's freedom and choice will be controlled with very narrow alternatives and, and the fact that he'll be numbered from birth and followed as a number. So Moderna, they're leading the way right now in the race to develop the CV-19. In their first clinical trials, by the way, which included only 45 people, 100% of the recipients of the high dose of their experimental vaccine experienced systemic side effects and 80% of those who experienced the low dose uh, version of the vaccine experienced side effects. I read one article about a guy who was part of the original 45, became extremely ill, later was on CNN with, San, with Dr. Sanjay Gupta, 
And afterwards, he then went on other uh, alternative media interviews and explained that right before they went on air with Sanjay Gupta, he was telling Sanjay Gupta how sick he had gotten right after the vaccine. And Dr. Sanjay Gupta said, well, whatever you do, don't mention that. We're not talking about this, that in this interview. We're just talking about the vaccine. Right? Uh, one uh, uh, article talks about three red flags for Moderna's potential coronavirus, one of which is that the company's insiders have made high-profile exits from their stocks. Quote, this is from August 29th, just a short time ago. Insider, insider sales leaders don't, uh, insider sales by leaders don't signal confidence. The CEO, chief financial officer, chief technical officer, president, and chief medical officer of Moderna have sold tens of millions of dollars of the company's stock over the last five years. And CNN even uh, covered this. Of course, they covered it with a different spin. Moderna unveiled encouraging coronavirus vaccine, and then top execs dumped nearly $30 million of stock. You know. um, well, once available, as soon as this fall, President Trump has said he will use U.S. military to deliver it. And again, I hear, I hear a lot of conservative Christians who just can't bring themselves to see what reality is, talking about, ah, Trump never really said that. Well, let me just show you the facts. Okay, here's Reuters talking about it. I actually saw the interview live, and I'll get to that in a second, but Reuters reported it, CBS News reported it, U.S. News and World Report, and a host of others. And here's a Christian website called LifeSite, very supportive of Trump, who quoted him as doing it. And then for those of you who think only Fox News is the only ones to tell you the truth, Fox News covered it. Mobilizing military rapidly to distribute coronavirus vaccine. Now, personally, I can't think of anything more terrifying than the military sticking a needle or micro needles, as it may be, in your arm. But this is what we're seeing. And it's more than just speculation based on one comment by the president, who's certainly known for speaking candidly and off the cuff. Mark Esper, the uh, Secretary of Defense, about a week later, on May 22nd, eight days later to be exact, told CNBC that he is, quote, confident that the DOD will be able to deliver the vaccines on time. On May 12th, two days before President Trump made his remarks about the military delivering and administering the vaccines, the Department of Defense announced that it had awarded $138 million to a U.S. company called Rapid USA, Rapid is an acronym, and it's a subsidiary of Apogex Systems, to, quote, create a U.S.-based high-speed supply chain for pre-filled syringes beginning later this year suitable for combating COVID-19. Why is the Department of Defense giving $138 million to syringe makers for a vaccine? I, I'm, I'm puzzled. Uh, you can check out the actual commercial. This was unbelievable. They actually, Rapid actually ran a commercial for this new product narrated by its chairman, Jay Walker, in which he explains unashamedly. I mean, I was sitting there mouth agape as I watched it. He says, quote, uh, every single syringe will have an RFID chip so that, quote, mobile phones can automatically capture where and when every injection takes place. Now, I mentioned the PREP Act uh, signed by uh, George W. Bush. And uh, according to the PREP Act, um, the government cannot force a vaccine on the public if there is visible, I mean, viable treatment options available. So why do you think that mainstream state-run media uh, and global coverage of hydroxychloroquine and other legitimate treatments are being suppressed because they want the vaccine to go forward. And then we might even ask, and I'll close with this, is a vaccine even needed or is there something else at play? Could it be that the coronavirus is really more of a control of virus seeking to control the population? Consider these stats. 
I'll start with just a mainstream article from a mainstream state-run media. As many as 80% of people that have COVID-19 aren't aware they even have it. And by the way, notice up here, I don't know if you can see it on the screen, this has been fact-checked by the official government fact-checkers. We talked about that uh, a while ago. 80% um, of all people develop only mild symptoms among those who do get it and, and are tested positive. Even among 70 to 79-year-olds, about 60% develop only mild symptoms. 95% of all people develop at worst moderate symptoms and do not require hospitalization. The overall lethality of COVID-19, the IFR, in the general population is 0.1% to 0.5%. IFR stands for infection fatality ratio. It's the proportion of deaths to all infected individuals. Sometimes you'll see CFR, the case fatality ratio, but the IFR is actually even broader. It's more pessimistic. It includes projected potential cases, not just people that actually have been tested. So the IFR is the more pessimistic calculation, and according to it, it's only 0.1% to 0.5% of people that have COVID. As of September 25th, the median age of COVID deaths in the most Western countries is over 80 years, and only about 4% of the deceased had no serious preconditions. Again, same date. This is from the CDC's own website, by the way, tracking all of this. Worldwide, the overall mortality rate since the beginning of the year is in the range of a strong influenza season. Adjusted for population growth, the COVID death rate in the U.S. is currently comparable to the 68-69 Hong Kong flu and 30% lower than the 57-58 Asian flu. So we're just taking the CDC at their own numbers. As of September 2nd, the IFR in the U.S. for the general population was 0.26%. That means that if you contract COVID, you have a 99.74% chance of surviving. Just let that sink in for a moment. So again, I ask, do we really need a vaccine for a virus that, get this, 80% of people will never even know they had it. Those who get tested and know they have it, 80% will experience either no or only mild symptoms, and 95% won't require hospitalization, and 99.74% will survive. It's all about control. It's all about control. And they start with little incremental baby steps like masks and social distancing. Never before in the history of the world has the government ever quarantined healthy people for alleged medical reasons. By the way, not since the 4th century A.D., the time of Constantine, has the entire globe canceled Easter services. Okay. And speaking of masks, uh, the Journal of the American Medical Association, you can actually look this up on their own journal, March 4th, 2020, said, quote, face masks should not be worn by healthy individuals to protect themselves from acquiring respiratory infection because there is no evidence to suggest that masks worn by healthy individuals are affecting, uh, effective in preventing people from becoming ill. This is still there. It's right there on the Journal of the American Medical Association. No caveat. No, oh, we've changed our mind, right? So uh, I want to leave you with this verse from also the book of Revelation. Prior to the start of the tribulation, Jesus tells a church, the church at Smyrna in the first century, do not fear those things which you are about to suffer. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. The crown of life there, we don't have time to explain it, but it's not talking about heaven. Uh, I mean, it is talking about heaven, and it's not a conditional if-then statement here. It's not saying if you're faithful, you get into heaven. He's, it's almost like be faithful until death because, would be the Greek nuance here, 
I'm going to give you the crown of life. In other words, use the better day that's coming and our relationship with Jesus and our hope of heaven as motivation to stand up under whatever persecution you're about to face. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Let's pray.